In this episode, sitting down with Major Ed Polito has been one of the greatest privileges of my life. He talks about from losing his leg to taking that to building mental toughness on what it takes to have the heart of a lion. This is an episode that you'll want to hear from the beginning to end. I promise you that. Thank you to our sponsors, MND Drilling out of Waller, Texas. Major Ed Polito has given you a signed book that he's written. Thank you to Barry Lynch for this spectacular song in our podcast. Thank you to Kyle Golding for this amazing, beautiful podcast studio. Stay tuned to it. You don't want to miss this episode. I'm going to stand. I won't be seated. Hold my head up high and stay undefeated To find moments on this part Cause I'm American by the grace of my good God I'm excited, super honored. Major Ed Polito, welcome. Well, thanks for podcast. having me, my man. I Absolutely. Was, I was... Honored to get a chance to meet you, man. We've been running around in all the different same circles, and yeah, look yeah. where we're at today. I know we uh, met up at a lunch and a few weeks ago is uh, yeah. twenty two a day. Yeah, uh, Wars for Freedom. Lunch. How did you get connected with that? By uh, the way, I have a good friend, T.J. Nance. He's on the okay. board. Okay, and so he invited me to come, and he knows that I'm super patriotic and I love it. And so he invited me to come to have lunch with you guys. So well, and yeah. I've got to give you a big congratulations. Uh, I know there's a baby forthcoming, yeah. <laughs> and uh, love the flag, and uh, man, I love the fact that you're living the American dream, man, and so it's an honor and privilege to be here and uh, to do something really powerful, and that is to kind of, well, communicate with one another yeah. about what we're doing, what we're all about, and maybe our listeners can learn something from that. You They're going to learn a lot. Yeah. How about that? I like it. But uh, number one, thank you for your service to our great country. Thank I, you so much. I appreciate much. that. You talk about the flag and the rock at the house. That was actually a gift from uh, our good friends, Mike and Darlin Ackerman out of, uh, I was going to say Waller, Texas, but they live in Conroe, Texas. Okay. And they happen to also be sponsors of our show. Super patriotic people. Love them. They're so kind. And so we're here able to do the show because of them. Well, hey, we want to give them a big salute and shout out. <laughs> and It's going to be good. I'm telling you, a little shock and awe won't hurt. Hey. to talk about because that's how i roll man and i tell you what i'm so glad that we can just have a very um you know straightforward conversation because that's what the listeners want that's what the american people want absolutely before we get started into these amazing unfilled conversations okay my wife and i have something for you and your wife well good man look at this have a cup of freedom every day wow <laughs> and how did the name come about? I want to know that. Wow, thank you, man. That's yeah. nice. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So Defining Moments is a, a podcast my wife and I started a few years ago, talked about something we can collaborate and do together and bridge the community. Instead of just being on social media, how can we bridge okay. the community with conversations in person? Okay. Whether it's our neighbor across the street, to an American hero like you, to the governor of the great state of Oklahoma. How can we sit down and have a conversation with them? Okay. People talk about, oh, I want to have a conversation at the table. Well, you, you've got to earn these conversations. Correct. So how do you earn them? Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. I like that. I was going <laughs> to ask you about the name. And I mean, I just, I like the, the patriotic nature of it. I Thank you. I will tell you that if I was in shorts right now, which I've been in uh, Miami, Florida, so yeah. living the dream this past week, um, <laughs> you'd see my patriotic nature 
when I put that prosthetic leg on and, uh-huh. and the other legs that I have that have red, white, and blue flagging on them. I, I just, I live the American dream every day. And I just, I'm grateful that as an immigrant of this country that my father uh, showed us the way. Mm-hmm. Now you, you're, so you're an immigrant. Yeah. Where did you come from? Well, so it's funny. My father's Colombian okay, and my mom's Puerto Rican. Even though uh, I got my citizenship by being born in Puerto Rico, um, I uh, will tell you that uh, we, we're an immigrant family. My father didn't get a citizenship till uh, 1980. Mm-hmm. So he was um, a, a citizen of Colombia, joined the United States Army uh, when he was in aeronautical school down in uh, Puerto Rico, met my mom. And uh, it's like oil and water. If you know anything about a Puerto Rican and a Colombian, that's what you're going to get. But the great thing about my dad was that uh, all he wanted was his citizenship. And he kept talking about it. And for a long time, I was like, hey, mom, do I have citizenship? You know, and mm-hmm. and um, but we were an immigrant family because he didn't have it. And the thing about it is that it was so great when, you know, in, in the 80s, when Ronald Reagan made the decision that he made. And, you know, he's a Vietnam era veteran mm-hmm. and. You know, during that time, they were just recruiting people. And and now there's a lot of Hispanics, um, a lot of people from all over the world. In fact, I just met somebody from uh, the Ukraine who um, is actually about to enlist. And they're looking for translators, et cetera. And the military was always a great avenue of approach for people uh, that had maybe economic challenges in their life or came from a, a community that just wasn't a good community to immigrants, to just people in general that just wanted to serve their country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that we're missing today is those type of people that, you know, just didn't have that hand up, but wanted and didn't want to hand out, mm-hmm. but just wanted that hand up. And mm-hmm. I think to me, that's that's the family that we lived under. And and my dad was an incredible individual and I miss him. I lost him about a year ago. And uh, you know what? To this day, he's always missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, you talk about the Vietnam era. So my parents are from the Vietnam era. They actually fled communism. Wow. Were stuck at sea for about 33 days and rescued by the mili- American military. Um, men and women who sacrifice, wow. the ultimate sacrifice, like yourself, yeah. to bring them over. So, well, that's incredible. Choice. And I, you know, I have a lot of friends that, um, my father, when, when he went uh, on a trip to, to Vietnam, it was one of those things where uh, he, he talks about some closure. Mm-hmm. And, about the people, um, it kind of reminds you of some of the things that are going on in, in right now in, in Israel and the Palestinian state, because there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's always negativity with war yeah. and with, you know, when you're talking about human capital and, 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 and being humane in what you do. And, and I know that the, the people of Vietnam went through some struggles with communism and, and dictatorship and all of the things that went on, but you know, now I know that's thriving and that's just so great to to see nations that, you know what, have gone through tyranny and some negativity and and you know what, not give up because that's my attitude every day. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of not giving up, what does it mean to you to be an American? Well, I got to tell you, so I wrote a book called Warrior for Freedom. Oh. And when I wrote that book, everybody asked me, well, what, why it was, why did you choose Warrior for Freedom? And, and in what, what, was created from that was Warriors for Freedom, which is the foundation. I'll tell you that what it means to be an American is that every day I get up, I know that I have the freedom to do what I want to do in in this great country. I know that when I sacrificed my leg, my father had said this. My my father said, um, you know what? At the end of the day, 
freedom has a price. And um, and in that price, there's a lot of things that are going to happen um, at, at, when you're an American. And when you take that oath of office to defend the greatest nation in the world, it's always been about God, country, family, and all of those that serve in the armed forces of the United mm. States of America to protect you, the American people. That, to me, is a quote from my father that that is what it means for me to be an American, yeah. to live with God in my faith, to live with the fact that I love my country. Um, because when you're in the military, you're human capital now and you're government property, too. <laughs> and and then to me, that we can thrive and be successful in how we take care of our families mm-hmm. by the fact that we are in the community. We're working hard to ensure that we get to know each other, that we knock on our, each other's door, that not only... Are we seeing each other during the course of the of the year, but that communities come around one another, not just in Halloween mm-hmm. or not just in Fourth of July, but that, you know, we all pay homage to being uh, in a community that that honors our nation's flag, that honors our liberties and and that great union. And no matter where you come from or whatever you look like or whatever you want to be or who you want to love that at the end of the day, we're all Americans together. Mm -hmm. That's what Ronald Reagan said in his inaugural address in 1981. And those were the words that really inspired me to understand that, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm just major ed. And I say it that way because that's my identification, but I'm also a patriot and I'm also a great American. Love it. Yeah. That's a brilliant answer. Yeah. Uh, My parents, uh, have two favorite presidents, and uh, President Reagan is yeah. definitely one of them. Correct. So, yeah. He was inspiring. Yeah. If you read anything about President Reagan, what I liked about him is, you know, honestly, this is actually pretty cool because I haven't talked about this in a while. He actually ran and lost. Mm-hmm. If you look at him, he had defeat, but he didn't give up. He didn't give up because he was a great patriot. I love the fact that he was riding horses. I like <laughs> I don't know. I like cowboys. I mean, I love Native American culture. Yeah. I I just grew up that way. Yeah. You know, black culture. I did a speaking engagement recently at a at an at a, at a black church and and I was just um in awe of of how much worship means to him on a mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. and to see how it, it it I hate to say the extravaganza but but that's how you're supposed to celebrate yeah. Jesus and God. You know what I mean? It's good energy. It's good energy. Yeah. And that's what I mean by that. It's like, you know, it's great entertainment and great. And why wouldn't you want to entertain your higher creator? Yeah. You know, and that's how yeah. I look at things and, and pay homage to stuff. And that's what it means really to be an American for me is living by that faith and that love for country. And certainly the fact that we get to take care of our families. I love it. That's yeah. so awesome. So, Speaking of cowboys, you're going to love this. Our, our theme for our son is a Western theme. So wow. the room is a Western theme. Uh, Mike and Darling actually got us a little rocker. Instead of a rocking horse, they got us a rocking lamb, a rocking sheep. Is that a wow. So it's a, we're super excited. Well, it was funny because I got to <laughs> tell you this. When we got orders to come to Oklahoma, my father, my father was like, hey, we're, we got news. And it was kind of a dinner table. That was when we had dinner at in my house you had dinner you the kids had to be home by six <laughs> and if you didn't show up by six somebody was going to probably eat your food because that prayer if you showed up at six thirty probably wasn't nothing left my, my mom sometimes will do something special and maybe put a side plate out but if you messed up you messed up but my point to all of that is that i remember just the fact that when we were told that we're coming to oklahoma 
I was, you know, it was about a person that we asked was like, well, there's a bunch of cowboys and Indians, you know? And I was like, wow. <laughs> and I get here and I'll tell you that what, what really kind of made me think really powerfully about Oklahoma was when I, we got here, it was, yeah, there's some of that, but that's not what it's all about. Oklahoma brings, you have Native Americans, you have the cowboy movement, you have the Calvary, which used to be out there um, in Elk Fort Reno. You have so much history here. Mm-hmm. Um, history that really has sweat, has tears, has bloodshed. Um, but all, what I noticed was that people were coming together. Sure. And that's what I would expect our governmental officials to understand is that look at the rich history and, and look how important it is, you know, how the boomer sooner and, and those people... <laughs> and the land run and all of the other things. And now you see the renaissance in Oklahoma City and what's going on here and in Tulsa and just the surrounding cities, the economic yeah. impact. That to me is what it's all about. And that's why I love Oklahoma. And, and I'm just glad that I'm here to be able to contribute. Sure. Yeah, you contributed in a major way. You, you talked about prayer earlier. Before we take a deeper dive into you and your family, would you like to say a prayer for this podcast and then... Get into that. I'm going to say a prayer. Please do. All right, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for this time you've given us to be here to partake of something very powerful, and that is to spread your gospel and your word of love and support for one another and to respect one another as we move forward in in what we're going to talk about, and that is powerful news about powerful things that are going on in our community. That community is of utmost importance and that we are the beacon of life for that. And I ask you to just bless us, three individuals here who understand the power of our country and certainly understand the power of love for family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. How is the missus doing? I I talk to her on Facebook all the time. She's so just positive-spirited. How's she doing? I know you're super proud of your daughter, so let's talk about your family. Well, you know, I, I will talk. Karen is um, an, a very um, hardworking, um, you know, she's an inspirational person. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to let her know that. Mm. But what she's done with our family and um, our children and, and the impact that she's made on their lives. I mean, I, I look at my oldest daughter and and she's, you know, graduated from University of Oklahoma, working now at First American Title. Um, that, to me, is an attribute of, of you know, seeing um, your spouse be involved in their lives. Mm-hmm. And because I travel a lot, I think there's a lot of issues there sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been easy. I mean, 30-plus years of marriage. And, you know, those things are, are, you know, it's tough when... You know, you're gone a lot. And then, you know, there's Kinsley, our youngest, who's uh, just turned 18 and has to make a decision about a very important endeavor in her life, and that is college. And, um, you know, Karen's job is to shepherd them and and to be in their lives and, and to love them um, with everything, even though, you know, that we have challenges, meaning challenges and, and everyday things that are going on. I mean, our youth today have a lot of challenges. Our young mm-hmm. adults have a lot of challenges with the things that they have to experience, uh, meaning, you know, school and the normal uh, intricacies of what's going on. But you know what? We had those challenges, too. Yeah. How, do we, how were we able to get through them? And, um, you know, that's where I see the inspiration behind Karen is, you know, her can-do attitude, 
Um, I will tell you that that she's a woman of faith. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff came from her family and her, their upbringing uh, from Duncan, Oklahoma. Uh, her family are very uh, impactful. Uh, God, you know, God fearing. Not, you know, it's yeah. just the way you got to say it. They grew up in church. Mm-hmm. Um, Tammy Townley, who's a good friend of ours, um, of course, went to church um, with Karen in, in, in those early years as well. And I remember seeing how the community rallies around th- th- that building sure. um, and, and the church aspect of it. And, and that's where when I met Karen down in, in Lawton, Oklahoma, of course, you know, she's Lawton just probably sometimes has its own issues, you know. <laughs> And she was from Duncan, Oklahoma, and it was just an interesting connection. And, you know, she's done very well in her life. And, and um, you know, she uh, comes from a family where she was the only child. So, you know, she has to, she's had to rely on her uh, cousins and, and her family, to, um, which now her, you know, her stepfather and, and mother have passed. And, mm-hmm. and I know she misses them a lot. And... But that's that was the backbone and the foundation for where from where she came from, yeah. and actually that's an attraction to me. Um, I live a very, I mean, uh, it's fast paced life, and I've always lived like that. We moved everywhere. We didn't have a foundation like that, and so I see. You know, Karen was lucky to at least have a foundation. And sometimes people, I think she's even said it. Oh, you know, I, probably getting away from Oklahoma. But when you really look at it, Oklahoma just has so many great attributes. And I just think it's a really cool place to live and and to uh, and to grow a family. Yeah. And also um, the values that we have. I mean, you can't be all over the map around this country. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. Yeah. Um, I give you an example. I'm not into people and what they're thinking about um, in California with some of the things going on. Um, I'm not into this pedophilia stuff that they've been talking. Look, if this is too deep, I'm going there. But I, I hear these laws that these legislators are putting to mm. the books. And, yeah. and I just like look back and I'm like, how does this, how does this support our young people? Mm. And, you know, there is, are issues there, but what's the best approach? How can people from all backgrounds come together and create solutions for greater good as opposed to evil. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of evilness going on. And I bring that issue up because I just literally today had a call from somebody who had gone through some uh, sexual exploitation mm. and former military and had some of these issues uh, in, in embedded in their in their lives for years and, and finally decided that it was time to come out about some things. Yeah. And I was, I was lucky that I had an opportunity to speak to them and do more of a little bit of a crisis call. Yeah. Can you imagine someone living like that for so many years and having everything inside and not being able to talk about it? And they reference that, what's going on in California and some of the laws that are being put to the books. And I'm just saying, sometimes it's, you got to look at things and look at perspective and also look at, at, at the greater good and and live by a faith-based heart, and that's not right. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll call out anything like that, but because I've seen the damage that it's done to people. Yeah, yeah. Sorry if that was too deep, but no, yeah. it, 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 
my question, you talked about history earlier and how Oklahoma has a rich history of just not just Native Americans and cowboys, but just a rich history as a state. Yeah. What are your thoughts and how do you feel about certain schools erasing their names or statues being removed to erase, quote unquote, somewhat of the history? Well, that's what I'm talking about. I think that that, man, I'm glad you brought that point up. So I don't want to ever offend anybody out there on anything, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I get offended. I'm offended when you take down a statue. And let me tell you why. Okay. I'm, I come from a Hispanic background and as an American of Hispanic descent, that's how I like to say it. I come from that background where history tells so many stories. And recently I had a little bit of somebody kind of called me out for Columbus day. I'll be honest with you. Columbus people are the Columbus people are my ancestors. What am I supposed to do? Turn my back on my ancestors? Um, I don't operate that way. Do I like what happened um, to certain people, uh, specifically Native Americans here? No, I don't like that. Nobody does. But the thing about it is that we look at history and what we do from that is we learn from it. Mm. And that to me is where I'm at in life. I learn from history. And if you erase history, that's the problem that I have, is you're erasing a specific time frame, which we end up going back to it. If you Right now, I'm, doing, I'm reading some stuff on the, on the Roman Empire mm. and how they dismantled themselves. And it's happening right now. And I'm telling you, that's a warning to America right now. Don't dismantle your founding principles. Mm. Our founding fathers, you weren't there on the, on the, on the river when it was cold. And you had to fight for freedom. Yeah. And the last thing we want is to downgrade that or to downgrade the fact and, and, and speak negatively so much that we missed a point on, on the fact that no one likes slavery of mm. any kind. Sure. There's slavery happening now. Yeah. And with this pedophilia deal sure. I was telling you about, there's yeah. a lot of that stuff going on right now. Slavery, human trafficking, all of that stuff. That's happening around this country. We just bat an eye and don't even say anything about it. Mm. But the thing about it is that our history is what tells us our story. It's it's what gives us our future. And it tells us about our past and not sometimes the best form of what may have happened, but that we can learn from that so that we can grow from it. And that, Mm. to me, is what I've learned a lot in reading a lot about slavery, about what happened in Africa and how... Uh, individuals sold themselves. I mean, sold their people. Yeah. That's happening now. There's people selling their children right now to, to these cartels. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff. And and not to get real deep in it, but just put things in perspective. Tearing down a monument is not going to change anything. What changes something is actually action. Mm. Action towards a certain cause. If with, For example, when we had these riots in 2020, <laughs> What action are you going to get except negative, hateful action by the by the group that you're trying to intend and send a message to because you burned up their community Mm. to me? And somebody told me, well, we're just trying to get your attention. Yeah, that's going to get my attention. All right. What I'm not going to do is I'm never going to trust you ever again. Mm. That's the kind of attention you're going to get. And you know what? You want to burn your own community up or you want to bring people in to burn your community? You know what? Don't tell us to rebuild you. Yeah. You rebuild it because you just tore it up. Yeah. And that was my point through all of that is like, I'm not going to sit around and just pander to that kind of stuff. 
you know, lives matter. You know what? It took us that long to understand that all lives matter. Really? <laughs> it took us till now to learn that. No, that's a movement. That's a that's a crying foul is what yeah. it is. There's no substance to it. Yeah. The only substance is they took a bunch of money and, and took it to the cleaners and now they're filing for bankruptcy. That's what I see on that. Did you make a difference in that local community in Minnesota? Did you make a difference with law enforcement? No, you created more hate and more divisiveness mm. and more division. And I'm just like thinking, well, I'm glad that that monument meant that much to you. Because you know what? All it was was, was what I call showboating. Mm. All of that stuff to me was showboating. It was showboating because if you really wanted to take some positive action, you would come over here to these, to these local communities that need their help and you would go pick up trash or you would clean up stuff mm -hmm. and you would help those community leaders build businesses, build infrastructure, support the banks that are supporting them, the supporting their businesses with what they may have. Instead, you decide you want to burn it down. Yeah. And that to me is what happened is that you just put someone in a bad position in life when they didn't need to be. And that's what makes me sad about America today. And, and again, tearing down a statue of Jefferson or... Washington or whatever, that doesn't that doesn't bring any flavor to me because you know what? That action right there is what I call reactive action. Mm. And you know what? It has no place in America. Love it. Reactive action. Yeah, you're reacting to something just because you wanna you wanna be you wanna react to this movement that you have no clue about. Right. You know, the thing is it, take Israel and Palestine and the Palestine uh, Palestinian state. Again, don't attack anybody if you don't want anybody to attack you. Mm -hmm. Or don't hurt people and now you're hurting because, oh my gosh, these people are hurting and they're displaced. Well, maybe you shouldn't have been advocating for that type of leadership. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see in America today, don't advocate for negative leadership, advocate for positive leadership that's gonna bring people together. And it's not just words, it's actual action. Yeah. What does leadership mean to you? Leadership means that you lead from the front, not from behind. And that you learn how to listen and follow and, and that you have guiding principles and that you live by your faith and your love for your country and your love for fellow man. That to me is outstanding leadership, whether it's principle leadership that, you know what, at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you, you're leading because you may have a higher pitch voice, you know. No, we want people to lead because they can lead by example. Mm -hmm. They can lead people to understand that, you know, like I, I love the movie, The Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. There's a mm -hmm. lot of leadership principles there. Right. Number one, you don't go against your individual principle. But can you be okay with looking at things from a different mirror as well, too? You got to be open minded about some things as well. Because you can't lead if you're just, here's how we're going to do it. And at the end of the day, it may not be the best plan, but guess what? We're going over the cliff. No, that's not leadership. Leadership is comprehensive understanding of everything that you have at your arsenal and bringing it all together. Hmm. That, to me, is what I learned in the military, is that, you know what? Uh, people like General Tommy Franks, who I've had the pleasure and, and, and time to spend with him to see how stoic he was but that he did lead by example, but he also led by command presence mm -hmm. and command guidance. And when he spoke to the people that he was involved with, that the guidance that they received 
was powerful information that would enable them to accomplish the mission. And there's a deal called the, uh, and I know I've talked a little too much, but the military decision-making process. For all the people out there, go look at that and see how the uh, military decision-making process works, how you develop courses of action, and how you develop plan of attack and and what they call war gaming. It doesn't have to be necessarily war related. It can be in any type of industry that you work under. Mm -hmm. That, you know, if you're going to go ahead and go into a new industry, that you look at all of the people that may have experience in that industry, bringing them together to do an assessment, do an assessment before you move forward. And I work with First American Title right now on a lot of things. And, and what we're doing in Oklahoma City is by far so incredible that renaissance, but that to me is great leadership. Great leadership that, you know what, we're not just building buildings. What we're doing is we're building infrastructure and we're building a future for all. I love it. I love it. Wouldn't you agree? I 100% agree. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I, I'm getting, I'm fired up, sir. How about Man, that? Me too. I'm fired <laughs> up. Yeah, I'm ready we're to go gonna run. fire you up, baby. <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting ready to take you to boot camp. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. No, let's uh, do it. Yeah, yeah. So, Put me to the test. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I wanted to go to the military, but I broke my left leg. I got my rod four screws in it, so that. Well, I would have took okay. you in a heartbeat, man. And <laughs> and you know, I, I tell you what, Mr. Golding here too, man. He's. You know what? You need you need people in every facet of things. I yeah. mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I I always tell people I give. I'll, I mean, I'll bring this up from a marketing perspective. Think about it. The military created a marketing program called the Army of One. Mm. Probably the worst program that you could freaking put together. The military's never been an army of one. It's an army of all. The be all mm. you can be. That to me was a great slogan. Mm-hmm. And they've went back to it, actually. But if you really look at it from a marketing platform, everybody's like, well, army of one. Well, in the military, it's a team approach. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things about leadership. It's team oriented. Mm-hmm. There's no I in team, we in team. And then there's words that I call, that I talk a lot about. You know, there's the words like courage, service, sacrifice, stuff like that. But there's words like perseverance, resiliency, integrity, all of those things. Those things you can use in the civilian sector every day. Yeah. And you know what? You don't have to join the military or wear the uniform to be a proud American. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Because there's different ways to serve the greatest country in the world. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about 2004. You had a defining moment in that year. Yeah. Talk to our listeners. Walk us all through that year for you. Well, that year was an interesting year because I was um, was in Honduras at the time. And I got a call that um, that we uh, was being deployed uh, to Iraq. I mean, remember that's early in what's going on now. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know, two oh three oh four time frame. And um, you know, when you get a call, it's either you volunteer or you take that call and you say, "Hey, here's what I'm going to do." We are an all volunteer force, but don't ever take that uh, to heart. Um, I always learned, my dad always told me, you volunteer for the right positions. Mm. <laughs> um, because I remember volunteer, because when you did volunteer, you may not get the right thing, but you know what? That's a leadership principle. You know, volunteerism is a really good leadership principle. And so, you know, for me, it all started in, in, in uh, April of 2004 when we arrived in Iraq on that specific uh, combat tour. And 
it was one of those things where, man, it was lethal. There's a lot of engagement. Um, lives were being lost every day. Um, it was, you know, the insurgency was getting hot. They were starting to gain energy, right? If you know anything about 03, they dismantled them. Um, and not just dismantled the, what I mean by dismantled, um, they, in 03, once we went in 17 days, it took to take Baghdad and then just a little history here. And then you go on and then I believe it was Wolfowitz, um, who basically said, you know, gave sort of the the strategic order from the Department of State. Hey, listen, these Iraqi soldiers, let's just let them go. They're done with their military. We'll stand up a new military. I'll say it here and I'll say it again anywhere. That was a big mistake. Mm. Big mistake because you lost accountability of people. And so, you know, the documentation really proves that. That, yeah, we executed and took Baghdad in very short time frame, but did we really accomplish the mission by what happened after that time frame? Mm. And we lost command and some command and control. We lost, which means command and control of the people there. So then that insurgency came hot because of it. See, the worst thing you could do is dismantle the military when you know that they've been trained in some way or another. And then you had the Iranian side of the house backing the insurgency with the bomb making materials, et cetera. And so all of a sudden now you have a recipe for disaster. Why we lost a lot of people is because we lost command and control of that. And that's my opinion. But you know what? I think a lot of other people would agree because what happens next is is exactly what happened when I was when during that period of time later um, is that now you've got given the insurgency some horsepower. Mm -hmm. So we were um, in on that specific mission in 04. Our job was basically to train the Iraqi army, stand them up and get them combat capable. That's how come I know something about this. Mm -hmm. It took almost a year to get to that point. That's a little bit too long of dismantling a military and then trying to stand up a new military because what you want them to do is take ownership of their country. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be occupiers. And so for me, that's really when the story starts is in 04 when it was a hotbed for the insurgency. And then, of course, I hit a roadside bomb on August 17th of 04. Yeah. So talk about August 17th of 2004. Yeah. So again, it was a hotbed for the insurgency. Uh, the Iraqi people had received Iraq back from the coalition forces. And all of a sudden, uh, April 17th, 04, we're operate. we're going to a new operational base up in the city of, uh, through the city of Bakuba, Iraq. I had, we were actually going to Kirkuk military training base on our way when I would hit a, uh, a roadside bomb that really would change my life forever. And I will tell you that the last thing you want to do is be on the battlefield and hit a roadside bomb or be involved in a vehicle born IED, which is a vehicle that's basically an IED. Um, it's a weapon. And we know that the Iranians were bringing these weapons of, of the destruction over. That's how they were getting all of these assets. The other thing, too, is when you dismantle the military, all the weapons and all of the armaments were just free for all. Mm -hmm. So there's everybody trying to pilfer through all of the equipment and everything that was left, kind of like what happened in, in Afghanistan. And that's where I'm hoping the same thing doesn't happen here, um, you know, with what happened in Iraq, because what you have is a lot of unaccountable ordinance everywhere mm -hmm. and weapon systems that they can use. And that's not a good recipe for success. So hit 
going through the city of Bakuba, Iraq, and I hit a, uh, the roadside bomb, and it ch- changed my life forever. And I will tell you that I, I commend a combat medic who saved my life and pulled me out of that wreckage and got me, you know, the help and care I needed. And you know what? I'm here today to be able to talk about it. I, I sort of flatlined through the process and, and feel like I died three times going from the helicopter to Baghdad and then 17 hours in surgery, blood transfusions, and, you know, a hard road to recovery. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that Kyle knows this. I mean, it was uh, it was an interesting time frame for me because um, no one ever expects to be challenged like that. And then all of a sudden, I come back with E. coli and until back to two staph infections, hospital, almost a year of my time in life, you know, and that was tough. That was a mm-hmm. tough time for me, my family, and Karen and, and what she went through. I mean, for her to be, um, you know, steadfast, but also, you know what, she had a job. So it turned our life upside down. We went into debt, um, you know, and I finally paid it off. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not bragging, but I'm going to brag because I just went and financed a car uh, recently. And... I walk in there and there and the gentleman that uh, financed the car for me and at the credit union said, dude, I haven't seen an 890 credit score in a long time. And I'm thinking to myself, really, is that what it is? It's not that I'm not bragging about it, but financially, I wasn't in a good place financially after all this happened. I mean, I went into debt. I went into some deep, deep thought process. I ain't going to tell you that I wasn't, you know, the, you know, post-traumatic stress, all of those things. And I'm only telling you that now just because as a learning lesson, don't ever quit, mm. never give up. And when he told me that the other day, it just brought back, I'll be honest, it brought back a flashback of, of a time where I couldn't even, I felt like, man, it's going to be hard to pay the bills. And that's hard to talk about. And it's just an example of not putting, patting myself on the back. It's just like, wow, like, I have achieved a great deal of success in that time, but I'm going to tell you why. I was supported by the American people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in the place that I'm at today without my faith, without the people that helped me. And to everybody out there, that's where I'm at today. So thanks for the credit score, but that's just a reminder of, of how far I've come because of the, of the right people being in my life. Mm. The right people in your life. Yeah. That means a lot to you. Yeah. It's incredible, yeah, yeah, and that's I, no one. You know what? I don't talk about that very much. The the financial stress behind. Am I going to be? The reason is because you get blown up by a bomb, and all of a sudden you have a new mortgage payment in Oklahoma. Well, you have a mortgage payment in Oklahoma. You have a mortgage payment or whatever down in San Antonio. You have two residences basically. The hospital kicks you out of the hospital, so now you got to go and start living in San Antonio. People did help me, but. It just goes so far. Got to pay for gas. Got to pay for two residences and cars. And, you know, I think we had a boat at the time. And I'm like thinking, man, how am I going to pay for all of this stuff? And now I'm down and out. Mm. So Bank of America helped out a lot with those advanced checks. <laughs> but but if it was a financial podcast, I'd tell you, that's probably not the way you want to go. <laughs> so that's why I even I told my daughter the other day, I said, you're not getting a credit card until I think you're ready for one. Yeah. Because, uh, but you know what? They were, they were a lifesaver at the time because I was hurting. And, and I just, it, I'm going to go to this though. And I'm going to end with this part. I, I just think 
think about me and how resourceful I am, but think about the individual that may not be as resourceful. Mm. That young soldier that didn't have those Bank of America checks, you know, and and could possibly go in debt and lose everything and because he's in a hospital. I didn't know this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the message here is always be prepared for something that may not, for a rainy day. That's yeah. the way I look. Yeah. How do you deal with PTSD? You know, it's I, I was asked that about a month ago. Um, I deal with it uh, very favorably. I, I've not... I'm not going to change who I am today. I will tell you that that's one of the things I've learned about living with with post-traumatic stress. Honestly, I don't even think about it like that. I just know this is how I am. Sometimes I raise my voice. Or maybe I do it all the time. I don't know. But this is how I am. I'm very passionate, adamant, and, and very direct on how I do things. That doesn't mean that I'm negative or mean or hateful. I'm just direct. Mm-hmm. Give you an example of directness today. I got a, I had to call in because I got a letter from the Department of Veterans Affairs. Apparently, I sent in my little information to them. They send my information back, and it's the Oklahoma Tax Commission. The Oklahoma Tax Commission sends me a letter and says you're not you're not approved anymore for your sales tax le- letter. And it was funny because I was kind of direct to the lady there because she says that I missed some window, but the, now I found out that the VA, and there's been some television work on it these last couple of days on it uh, because a lot of veterans didn't know that they had, that you had to re, uh, what I call like you had to recertify yourself mm. with the Department of Veterans Affairs. They only gave us a little long window. In fact, I'm about to go on TV about it to throw a heat round at them. God bless them. But the thing about it is that that's going to hurt some, a lot of people. Yeah. I'm 100%. That I, I mean, I de- I've depended on that sales tax exemption. And because I guess I turned my paperwork in, the Oklahoma Tax Mission, and bless their heart, it wasn't even, in fact, I was kind of direct with them. But now in reality, it was the Department of Veterans Affairs who messed this one up. Mm. And the Oklahoma Tax Commission is sadly the bearer of bad news. Yeah. But my point to all of that is that you know, I could have been real negative and mean and hateful and really let my, what you, what we call our post-traumatic stress get the best of us, but I didn't. I was calm and I was direct. And I said, you know what, at the end of the day, um, to the lady that was on the line and she was so sweet to tell me and walk me through this process, Mm -hmm. because if it would have been anybody else, she's like, I'm getting a lot of these calls and, and sir, let me just interrupt you. I, I, I please don't come down on me because I'm just the messenger here. And I'm like, yeah. you know, it was interesting because I learned something from that. Like, you know what? I, I'm about to go off, not go off, but you know what I'm saying? Like, just be very direct about something. Sure, sure. Because what that lady doesn't know is I lost my leg for this country. You put a benefit in place and now you're taking it away. Yeah. And I'm not the one that created the benefit, but if you're going to take away the benefit from me, I'm good with that. But why don't you give me a phone call mm. and tell me that? Or send me a letter and tell me that you're taking this benefit away, and then we'll be okay with it. Sure. But it wasn't none of that. It was bad communication on their part. And the thing about it is that bad communication is going to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. Because now they won't be able to use their tax-exempt card at some establishment. Yeah. And now that they may not have the extra $5. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
And they've earned that, that, that support and that service because you created it through legislation. So my point is, is that, again, that's just an example of, of the fact that at post-traumatic stress, you can, you can let those issues fester in you, build up, and be negative with them. Instead, I, what I did was I channeled it in a positive way. Mm. And that, to me, is the thing about mastering PTSD, is how do you channel that? Am I perfect? No. Have there been situations where I haven't channeled it? No, yes. But one thing I'm, I, you learn in this journey is that mental and physical and wellness is important. Mm -hmm. And if you can't maintain a physically and a mentally fit body, then you have issues. Yeah. And that to me is, the, is how you master PTSD and a traumatic brain injury. You have to work at it. Right. And you have to do something about it. And you can't take things out on people. Right. And you can't be disrespectful and negative because it'll overwhelm you and consume you. And that is why we have over 50,000 veterans all across this country living out on the streets. Mm -hmm. And Kyle and I know this. A lot of it has to do with mental health stressors in their lives that were not able or not supported or not maintained. Maintenance is critical to, to PTSD success. Yeah. Mental health is talked about quite often and do you feel like maybe the cities need to do more on mental health instead of spreading the wealth of money to go to certain athletic facilities versus mental health facilities and i think you can bring up a good point i think we'll take oklahoma city to bear right now we have a, a homeless problem mm -hmm. our streets are inundated and you can't push these people to, to uh, we live in oklahoma so for those that don't you can't keep pushing them over to 10th Street and to these other areas where you feel like that's where you're going to contain people, kind of like in a safety net, which it is a safety net. There's some great services that we have. But at some point, um, we're getting a lot of people from all over the country that are coming here. Hey, look, they've got great services there. Again, this is my viewpoint. So, sure. But what I see is that there has to be a a collaborative action you can't live up there where i live and then talk about the homeless issue mm -hmm. what you got to do is you got to come see it mm -hmm. you got to be a you got to come see it you got to be a part of it and you got to find a solution for it and my good friend dan strong does an outstanding job with the homeless alliance i've known them for years in fact we've known them through the united way days the the problem is that that they may be facing and this is my opinion again is that there are a lot of other people there are a lot of people out there that are homeless right now Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to play with economics, yeah. with economics, with the fact that you may just be one paycheck away from homelessness, that maybe there was a life changing issue, a divorce or um, or or some, uh, you know, uh, connection with criminal justice or or just the fact that you lost your job or you had disruption in something in life or a health care issue because mm -hmm. I just dealt, I'm dealing with one right now with somebody that I'm working with that lost everything because God bless him he had a heart attack mm. and now he's he lost his job he's his family's in in that state of mind we're only talking about we're talking about 50,000 veterans across the country how many people here are that close to homelessness in our community and so in a way the way I look at it is, is, is the solution is that not only can we put money towards it, but we all have to be on the same page. with it. Mm -hmm. We all have to 
know and understand the issue before we can really truly address it and change it. Right. And mental health plays a huge role in all of that. Sure. Physical health too. And I just think that what we have here in Oklahoma City is is a, is a mental health issue that needs to be addressed um, with our our people that are homeless. And you know what? We have to have a caring heart and a respectful heart. And I'm going to say it like this, and I know some people may not think or say anything positive about it, but you know what? Our churches better start stepping up to the plate and being a part of that too. Mm. Because I go to a big church, and you know what? What are we doing? Our, and that's our problem too. We do a lot of things all over the world, and it's great stuff. But I've also learned that we got to take care of things here in the home front. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we all we all prosper, we all flourish, and we all make a difference for every American. And the other thing, I'll finally say this. We better get control of the immigration issue that's going on at the southern border. We can't even take care of the people that we have here. Now we're going to bring in new people to come into our country. And that's also flooding our streets with not only crime, but with the fact that there's issues going on economically. Uh, it's It's not good for those people that are coming over to not have those opportunities as well yeah um and to take away opportunities from other americans that need to probably thrive and be successful so again that's my soapbox thing i care about people i've worked at united way i'm very empathetic and compassionate but i'm also a realist and right right now we have to address these problems in order to be prosperous and we can build all the arenas and all the things that we want yeah that's great stuff but you know what let's develop a plan of attack and action to employ these individuals so that they have a good quality of life Mm mm-hmm Speaking of mental health, you lost your leg, you have a prosthetic. So how did you, what was the rehab like and how did you mentally overcome that to be where you are? Well, rehab was tough, but the thing about it is that there's people that push you. And my physical therapists were incredible. Some of the most incredible people I've ever met in my life. That is a hard job. The reason is because it's hard when you don't want to get out of that bed and you're the patient. Mm. I felt that there were times where I was like, man, I can't go on. I can't step anymore. This is going to be tough. Probably the toughest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Um, you know, people that know me and have known me for a long time know that I, I struggled. I struggled with suicide ideation when I was in the hospital. I was like, man, I want to give up. I don't want to freaking go on. What, what good would that have done? You know what I mean? Um, because now I look at my life now and I'm like, man, I would have wasted that. Wasted all of the things that I've accomplished to this day. Um, and it's not about the accomplishments, but in a way it is. Let sure. me tell you why. Because when I do something purposeful for someone or for something or for a greater cause, man, I feel good about it. Yeah. And that's why people, that's the, one of the big reasons why we all used to participate in church mm-hmm. and, and, I, and still do and, and do those kind of things. And, and Ronald Reagan talks about it in, in his inaugural address in 1981, performing great deeds. Mm. Every day we should be performing a great deed. Not, and yet, if you want to pat yourself on the back for giving the man, the man at a corner a dollar, great. Mm. If that's what you choose to do. But performing great deeds even goes further than that. It goes further to help your fellow man when they're in crisis or, fe- or helping Someone that may not be educated that needs tutoring and needs that support. Yeah. And that's, I'll tell you, that's what we liked about United Way when, when Kyle and, and a lot of us worked there. Um, and of course, you know, for people that don't know Mr. Golding, you know, he's mm-hmm. the Golding group. Um, you know, we, 
we felt it every day, but we also saw people take advantage of the system too. Yeah. And that to me is kind of the checks and balances of what we do. And so I'm loving the fact that we're seeing some great stuff. You know, my work with uh, the John Daly Major at Heart of a Lion Foundation and my work with First American Title, I'm seeing the, here specifically in Oklahoma uh, City, the renaissance mm-hmm. of everything that's going on. Um, but again, it's all how you frame it and how you put it and, and where we go uh, um, as a community. And again, community buy-in is so important. Sure. And I know that you care about that, and that's why you're doing this podcast. I appreciate it, Major. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's purpose, man. It is purpose. It's everything's purposely driven. Yeah, you got to have a purpose to serve, purpose to do. Wake up out of bed, and yeah. And I hope that I answered your question because that purpose to me is is it's what drives me. Absolutely. And today, I got to tell you, this is the coolest call. I got emotional this morning. Um, and I always say it's the reason I got emotional is because I got a little female blood in me, so I cry all the time. So that's why I always say that. And it is. I I I I never had those emotions, and now I'm like, you know, everything makes me cry. But um, I got a call this morning, and this is when you know, like, you know, you you you've done well with things, okay? And it's important for you to feel good. Sure. That's a that's part of wellness, the yeah. spiritual healing, you know, to feel good. And I got a phone call today and from the National Quarterback Club, which I'm a board member of, and they surprised me. And so on the February 22nd and 23rd, I'm being awarded the uh, the Legacy Award from the National Quarterback Club, which is, you know, the NFL's involved, the wow. uh, college, you know, NCAA college football. You know, my good friend Cale Gundy um, uh, is uh, – is one of the presenters. Wow. Um, you know, it's 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 who's who. We've inducted, you know, Jim McMahon, people like that. Man. Um, yeah, Roger Staubach. I mean, wow. it's, it's, it's a star. St- I, I asked him this morning, I'm like, now, are you kidding me? You know, like, why me? And he, their answer was, well, why not you – for the work that you've done. And mm. I said, you know what? Um, I, ex- I will accept this award on the people that I've helped and the people that have supported me on this journey. Love it. That's who I really want to honor. Hey, you can honor me all day, but you know what? You're going to honor them for what they've been able to help me do in my life. Yeah. Because what they did is they gave me, they're that, they're that, they're that prosthetic leg that I yeah. carry around every day. Yeah. You know, it, it may be heavy, but you know what? I carry a heavy leg because you know what? I carry the support of the American people. I love it. I love your energy, uh, Major Ed. So two phrases come to my mind when I'm hearing you and when I'm around you. It's leadership influence, right? And servant leadership. Yeah, servant leadership, yeah. Those two phrases make me think of you when I talk to you. You know what? I haven't heard servant leadership in a long time. And that's, when I grew up in church, that's what, one of our pastors talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that a lot of the churches are not doing great work. Don't get me wrong. I, oh, no, yeah. Um, what I've seen in the, and and I think Kyle would agree with me because Kyle's here with us because he lives in a community where he's seen a revitalization. Mm-hmm. A revitalization happens when the community rallies around not only the infrastructure, but it's churches, it's communities, sure. it's businesses, um, it's people, and when investments are made in schools and education, 
Um, and that to me is what I've been seeing here and in our communities um, here in the inner city, um, we've seen a lot of churches leave and go to these, you know, outside of the, of the city. And that's great growth, um, but you have to, when cancer strikes, you have to fight it. Right. And you have to, and that's what I'm saying with our inner cities sometimes, you have to fight th those negative evil forces and make it good. And I will tell you that um, I know Kyle and I have talked about this, and that I'm using him as an example because our Northwest 16th corridor here, I mean, I've just seen some, I drove by there about a, about two months ago and I was like, man, I, this is not what I used to see. Mm -hmm. It's a total different community. And what happened is the people invested in their community and took yeah. it back. And, and now look what it, it is. Prices are going up. People are happy. They can walk on their sidewalks. And that, to me, is what I want to see in Oklahoma yeah. City. I, I want our homelessness to go away. That would be my vision for everything. Right. Will it go? No, maybe not. But you know what? I can dream. Right. And, I, and the reason is because I want every American to have the same opportunity I've received. And that, to me, is what that award means to yeah. me, is that every opportunity that I've received, I want everyone else to receive, too. Love it. Heart of a Lion Foundation, yeah. John Daly. What's your connection and why the name Heart of a Lion? Heart of a Lion was started actually, it's John Daly's logo and then my purple heart. Okay. And it, we all, we came together to provide mental, physical, and wellness support to our nation's veterans and their families, our first responders and America's children. And now we've added elderly. And uh, again, I've, I've mentioned Mr. Golding for a while, but one of the things I actually liked about United Way is they had these focus areas. These focus areas were pretty neat. And so what we've done with our foundation is created focus areas. Mm -hmm. So we will do all kinds. We've made it enough to where our mission statement is so overreaching that we can do whatever we need to do to support people. Yeah. Whether it's cancer, whether it's Boys and Girls Club, whether it's food, security, uh, those kind of things. Yeah. To me, that is what uh, great communities do and great foundations do, which is inc there's incredible foundations out there. I've represented Folds of Honor. I've represented Warriors for Freedom. The Gary Sinise Foundation is a great one. I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Wounded Warrior, I mean, all of them are good. They All, all of them do their job. And then we have a lot of local great organizations. Mm -hmm. I mentioned Homeless Alliance. I mentioned, like I said, we have our own Boys and Girls Club. United Way has so many partner agencies. People never, under, sometimes people don't even understand how the power of United Way. The yeah. power of United Way to me is someone gives a dollar, a corporate business, and that dollar gets administered with so many other organizations mm. that can empower and make that dollar go further. Yeah. That to me is impact. And that is what John Daly Major at Heart of a Lion Foundation is all about. We supported over 88 organizations in our la and in the last two years, which is a great, great deal. I did take the model from you not away, not gonna lie. Uh, you know, I don't, I, you reinvent stuff. You sure. don't, I, I'm not gonna tell you I was the person that thought about this idea because it's a great idea yeah. of bringing like-minded um, organizations that are in our space. Right. And you know, even that are not in our space, we're funding an organization in St. Louis for, for children with special needs, you know, that have autism and to give their parents an opportunity to you know, have a resource so that they can have some time off. Special care, an organization here locally does that. Mm -hmm. Great organization. And those are the type of organizations that I want to support in my walk of life and, and, and understand that as an organization, 
that we can do some incredible things because we have John Daly. And you asked me how I met him, and I've known John a while, but John was the one that on July 1st, 20 of 20, came to me in his kitchen while he's cooking. I won't tell you there was some other festivities going on, but and he basically told me, kind of broke down, and he said, Ed, I need to have a legacy in life. Mm. I don't have a foundation. I used to have one, and it didn't go very well. And he said, the only person I really want to do this is with you and Chick Linsky. And Chick lives in St. Louis, and he says, I would love to start a foundation, and I want you to run it. And I said, well, I already have a foundation I work for. And um, But he called me to action, and on that day I left, and I was like, wow, what do I do? And I made a decision to to really put my name behind his name. And so it was John Daly, Major at Heart of a Lion Foundation. For him to give me that title with him, it's pretty incredible. That's amazing. And I'm honored and grateful. And that was how the Heart of a Lion started. And then our logo is basically the heartbeat of America. Mm. There's a heart. And we have a heart to give. Yeah. And that heart is all is what it's all about. It's a pretty incredible story. And um, it's probably one of the things that I'm going to be, you know, I always say this, when you, when it's time for you to go, you want the, you want the good Lord to look at you and say, did you do the right thing? Mm. Did you make a difference? And, and, um, were you faithful? And boy, that's a challenge because that's hard to do. Yeah. But you know what? Um, that's why he, if you believe in the Bible and have all those principles, that's why he died. That's yeah. why Jesus died on the cross for us gotcha. to, to to have that everlasting life at some point. And that's what I want. And that's what I live by in that, in that faith and yeah. that walk. So love it, man. That's a little deep. Sorry. That's good. I, uh, you have a few extra minutes. Yeah. Kyle, you got a few extra minutes. We good. All right. You got the yeah. thumbs up. What are a couple questions you wish people would ask major Ed Polito, but no one ever asked. Um, I, I, I don't ever really get asked. Uh, I get, a, I'd never really get asked about, how to how all of this works? Um, very seldom, but how does all of this work? How do you make it all work? Because this prosthetic technology has so many inner. It, there's so many principles to it. Um, there's gate. There's actual equipment. There's actual fitting. There's actual pain. Um, there's chaffing that occurs with your skin. Um, and again, this is little deep stuff, but, you know, it, it's like having to relearn everything. Mm. And no one really asked that because they don't want to, they don't think that they could ask or hurt your feelings or they don't want to, it may be too deep. But in a way, it, it, it's a sacrifice that I have to make every day. Mm. And I make it look easy. But there are times where, even even the fittest, you know, struggle. Yeah. And, you know, you put on a game face and you make it happen, but, you know, that to me is is the deepness of... And the reason I love this, our podcast today, and your podcast, is I got to be real today. Mm. I mean, I'm real all the time, but yeah. sometimes you have to kind of, you know, you're in this status and you have to kind of watch yourself and... And I just want to be real, like yeah. I and and I'm not saying that I'm not all the time. It's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you have to be cautious. Yeah. Um. You know, we live in a world where maybe your words may be hurtful, 
um, and your thinking or thought process. And I'm not saying that that's what I'm thinking, but sometimes you have to be very uh, careful with what you say because it could be taken out of context. It does all the time in, in media outlets every day. Sure. And, and, and you don't want to be hurtful to someone or another. Or another. And, um, and so that is something that I never get asked either is how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you work around that? Um, how do you, you know, can you be real? And in this world today, I hate to say it, but sometimes you got to have that 5% guard up or maybe mm -hmm. that 1% guard up. I don't know. I, you have to be guarded in what you do Yeah. because there's a lot of people that will take advantage of you and take advantage of your generosity and the things that are going on. And it doesn't happen a lot, but it, it, that, that's, that weighs on me. Mm is when I'm taken advantage of and I've worked so hard for to accomplish something and, and to give. And then um, sometimes it's okay to just give someone a thank you yeah. and a pat on the back. And we should be patting each other on the back. The other thing too, is that we've come to a society where, um, where we're very discriminatory towards one another. Mm. Um, and I have a, I have some conclusions on that, but I've never asked about that. But, discriminatory in a way that people can't be who they they need to be mm. or 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 again people may view things one way and and they're viewed in another and i love that movie by mel gibson when he could read minds oh uh, yeah, yeah that you know if we could do that sometimes that would be perfect but that's not how things work yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but but again, being able to know things, um, because communication is different now. It's all of this, mm. you know, and there's not a lot of this direct communication. Right. And that's what I'm getting at is I would want to have more of that direct communication because that's what makes us better. Mm. That's what makes us understand human, human processes yeah. um, and understands us well to the point where we can be way more respectful to one another when we're able to communicate to to each other. Yeah. Well, when we first met, I could feel that you're real. And that's probably one of the best compliments our podcast has ever had from a guest is saying it's a real podcast and you're able to sit there, feel comfortable and just be real about your emotions and what you say. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, and go and Mr. Golding is always him and I have talked about things that yeah. that probably people won't talk about. And sure. And you know, he may have a perspective that's different. I mean, I've known him and his wife for a while, and not because it's, this is a podcast, but, you know, people can learn from one another is what I'm saying. Mm. And sometimes you, we, we make assumptions on stuff, and we haven't even tasted the coffee. Yeah. You know, true. and now the coffee's all, brother, if you go to Starbucks or even Dunkin' Donuts has coffee that's all foo-fooed up, now you don't even know what you got. The other day I ordered one. I was like, man, what kind of, what is this? Like, a coffee, latte, extreme, blast, whatever else. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, geez, I used to know black coffee. Now it's all like this. But my point to all of that, you know what my daughter told me? She's like, well, Dad, you won't like it unless you taste it. Mmm. Guess what I did? I tasted it, man. And I was like, wow. Are you hooked? 
No, but Good. I tasted it. Good. And I got it, and I, I liked it. The only problem is it's too, got too much sugar for me. Yeah, don't get hooked on that, sir. But you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. But that was my point. Is She's like, well, you can't, you can't, you can't dislike something until you actually understand it, yeah. is what she was trying to say. Yeah. And in a positive way, it's like, you, you know, look, that thing's all foo-fooed up. It may look like that, and it may taste not the way you like it, but I like it. Mm. Or, you know, so... That's that's the mutual respect sure. that I think you've given me today, and I respect that. Thank you, thank you. You, you talked about your prosthetic legs and the feeling, and you know, get used to it. So it's a, it's a lot of mental preparation Correct. and develops mental toughness. Yeah. My wife and I were catching a flight out about three years ago somewhere, maybe Denver. We're taking American Airlines, and I saw you trucking it. You were the last one on that flight, not our flight, but you were on a different terminal. Yeah, yeah. But I saw you. Or you did? Gate. I saw you trucking it. But you were pretty much running to this yeah. gate. And I was like, Margie, there's, a, there's Major Ed. Like, we've got to get him on the podcast. This is like three years ago. Well, and here and we it are. finally happened. And uh, here we are. But tell her I said hello. And, and you know, I, I didn't ask <laughs> you this question, but I'm, I see you guys together. And you know what? Like, you guys are like, wow. I don't know how you met, but, you know. I'm like, it's like with Karen, like she gave this Hispanic American a chance to, to connect and be a part of that. I'm sorry, I mean, I, look, I, you know what I mean? I, yes, I and do. And that to me is why America is so great. It's the melting pot. Yeah. It's the melting pot. That's what we should celebrate. And that's what I was, when you asked me about monuments and stuff, that should be the celebration. Not this, these monuments could stay up and do whatever they need to do. It's that celebrity of our lives mm. together and what God has given us. And he's challenging us right now to all of these things. And you know what? That's the way you should approach it. Can you meet the challenge? And Mm. uh, I go to Life Church, and Pastor Craig's got a great message right now. Man, he's good at what he does. But I like what he's talking about. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know what? You got to self inventory yourself, you know? And I'm trying to do some of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Speaking of coffee, who would three people be you want to have coffee with? No family members. You know what? I will tell you, George Washington would be mm. one of those top people. Um, I like, uh, I'm a big fan of Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Always will. I'm, now, bear in mind, I'm a, I'm a history guy, and presidents to me are like, um, but, you know, number one would be Jesus Christ. Mm. I'd That's love to amazing. break bread with Jesus <laughs> and a little wine, maybe, too. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I just, um, oh, there's so many people, too, from a historical point of view that have been just great, great people that have done some great things for yeah. this world, really. Sure. But, um, but you know, I, yeah, I'd love to break bread with, I don't know, I, I've always put myself in, and I'd love to be one of those disciples, Karen. Mm. But I'd be the type of disciple that I'd have to have a sword or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah, yeah. So that that would be my kind of being funny. But yeah, yeah. that would be me. What's your favorite food? Um, my favorite food is actually um, my mom makes this Caribbean food with chicken mm. and and potatoes and red sauce and rice. I love that. But I love Italian food. And, um, and you know what? I mean, I love it all. Like mm-hmm. the other day I, I had some Vietnamese food. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, down in Miami, Florida, that's a melting pot in itself, you know? So I like to diversify and, uh, but you know, being, uh, you know, from 
course, knowing Puerto Rican and Caribbean descent, um, my mom cooks well, man, and I miss that. And Karen cooks very good too. I I will be honest, like during Christmas and the holidays, oh, Chris, Karen's awesome. Okay. And Karen learned a lot on cooking that stuff from her mom, and so. It, my best, my favorite pie is peach cobbler. So, okay, you ever want to give me some peach cobbler? I'm in on that. Okay, you know, but yeah, but those, those were like, that's what Thanksgiving was all about. Mm. There's no gifts or anything, right? It's just fellowship and family yeah. and all of that. And so I'm glad that COVID's gone so that we can really truly celebrate a, a time where we need to be together as opposed to be away from one another. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, well. We're going to invite you and Miss Pulido to our house, okay. and I'm going to cook you some Vietnamese, authentic Vietnamese food. Wow, you will? Yeah, I will. Well, and you then, cook it up then, huh? Well, I'm, I'll surprise you. Okay. But I'll, I'll make it authentic okay. for uh, you and the missus to come have dinner with my wife and I. Well, awesome. Before she gives birth. Yeah. How about that? Well, that's it's coming great. up pretty soon. Pretty soon. Yeah. It's so, a boy? It is a boy. <laughs> I don't think we ever told anyone, but I mean, you know, and Kyle well, I saw it on social media or something there, yeah. or somebody said something about it. So yeah, congratulations, you know? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I tell you what, that is one of the most rewarding things and you can do. And if, if you don't, then you can babysit and send them away. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, we, I, look, we have two daughters, but no grandchildren and we're okay with that. Yeah. So yeah. we're content with that. So. Sure. You know, yeah. What are you most proud of? Most proud of is uh, the opportunity that I had to spend with my dad, and that makes me proud. My dad was my hero and my friend, and mm-hmm. I talk about a lot of, about him because he he struggled with his um, being able to. My daddy, and that's what gets me. My daddy struggled with with um, with his English, and he did well in life. He became an officer in the United States Army, and and uh, there was a lot of hardship with the language barrier for him at the beginning. And I could tell that it 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 made him stronger, but it also can weaken a soul too, mm-hmm. you know. And he made the best of it. And that's what I'm proud of is that I had a father that was in my life. You know, um, there's a lot of challenging things in life for others that may not have their fathers in their lives and i always tell people you know um shepherd your responsibilities as much as you can if i gave you any advice is to shepherd them. Mm-hmm. no matter what happens between you and your spouse there's always difficulties that you do the right thing and you do the best you can for that individual that you brought into this life because that to me is a very powerful thing and that was what my dad did for me he shepherded me during some challenging times he also was the one that told me on Christmas time that I was joining the United States Army in January 6th, which is Insurrection Day now is what everybody calls it. But in January 6th of, of 1986 is when he told me, you're joining the United States Army. And I was like, oh, okay, I am. And he's like, yeah, you got to, this was in Christmas time and mm. at the dinner table. And I'm like, he's got an appointment on January 6th with the United States Marines and the Army. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm going in the Army? And you know what? It was the best thing that I ever did in my life. And that's what makes me so proud mm. is that I did that. Yeah. So it went all full circle. But that's my proud moment is to, is to be able to follow in my, bro- in my father's footsteps and, and, uh, and show him um, before he died. And, and he tells me that in September of, of last year, he told me, he says, 
I'm I'm proud of you because you followed in my footsteps. Wow. Uh, and that's what you'd want your father to do. And then my dad tells me, and by the way, I'm I'm going to pass away before Thanksgiving. And he did the morning of Thanksgiving. And uh, he was a man of, of of not many words like me. He's quiet. And I've talked a lot, so you know how I am. But he was a man that when he spoke, you listened. And, and, he, and it was on his terms, everything that he did. Mm-hmm. And he told me in that September, he says, you know, you make me proud, but you're going to make me more proud if you take care of your mother. And you know who does that best? My brother. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm the best son in the world. My brother, Manny, is the man. Mm-hmm. He takes care of all the finances and takes care of my mom. That, to me, is the essence of, of, of success in America as well, is that we take care of those who took care of us. Yeah. That's, That's what it's all about. So, yeah, a little deep, but yeah. But I'm proud of my brother he, and my sister too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, my family's awesome, but uh, like I said, my brother is just the best, mm-hmm. and he cares. And he he's the one that took care of my dad when my dad was in his in his bad st- state. And I won't tell you what happened to him with the fact that what made him digress from the Agent Orange stuff, but. Um, you know, I, I have some issues with, with some things going on in our country right now. And, and you know, vaccines sometimes, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. But that wasn't a good thing for him. And, you know, he was in a place that, you know, he already had compromising s- situations. But you know what? At the end of the day, my brother took care of him for almost a year and a half mm. of his life. And when you have to bathe and take care of somebody every day, that's pretty tough. Yeah. And so I commend him on it because... To all the people out there that are taking care of their elderly parents or el- the elderly, um, that's what we're supposed to do, as hard as that is, and and challenging as it is. Yeah. Um, that's that's what we're that's what the good Lord would want us to do yeah. for one another. Right. So, yeah. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered with the fact that I, I was I I had purpose in this in this life, um, that uh, I lived by my faith, and that I uh, sacrificed. Uh, you know, my, my life and my limb for this great nation to be free. And the other sacrifice was the fam- my family's sacrifice. And that's how I want to be remembered is that um, we, were all, we all made a difference and that we all contributed to this great nation and that uh, we achieved the American dream. And that's what I tell my daughter. I told her that today on another podcast with my good friend, uh, Lee DeWin, Sean Dill out of Florida. We did one at 1 o'clock today. And I talked about her and uh, what I want to be, want my legacy to be is that, you know what, that she knows and my family knows that um, they have to carry the baton forward. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's like Ronald Reagan said, um, and, and this is a great, great quote because I wrote about it in here, man. This is one of my most powerful, loving quotes. If you ever ask me what my favorite quote is, is it's this one. It says, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Mm. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. And that's true. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on to do, on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children what it was once like in the United States when men were free. I love that one, but then this one's all, you have one too. You have a rendezvous with destiny. We will preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth. Or we will sentence them to take the first step into a thousand years of darkness. 
If we fail, at least let our children and our children's children say of us, we justified our brief moment here. We did all that could be done. That's a pretty powerful quote. That's, And I want to be remembered like that. That, you know what? We did everything we could for that next generation. And yeah. that's what I told my daughter is that I'm proud of you. In fact, on the way here, I'm proud of you. And, and, uh, and you know what? Her and Kinsley and, and Karen, is, sometimes I don't tell them that. They're my beacon of light. And the reason I'm here today is because of them. And they're, my achievements are their achievements. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Love it. So tonight when you go home and see Mrs. Polito, you're going to give her a big hug from you and from all of us. Yeah. And your daughters too. Okay. I'm in. Is that a deal? 110%. Okay. All right. How do I know you did this? Well, you know what? Because I'm going to tell you right here on this microphone right now. And it's, okay. It's on record right here. Okay. Because <laughs> I might quiz Mrs. Pulido on yeah. it. I was like, hey, remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's not throwing me any heat rounds today, but no, I'm playing. No, you know what? It's just, uh, it's an interesting deal. It's funny because, um, you know what? That's an interesting thing you say. Hug, it, hug your loved ones as mm. much as you can or tell them you love them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when you leave the house. You never know on yeah. anything, you know? Yeah. And I'm a testament of that, yeah. what happened to me on August 17th, 04. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sir, thank you for your service, your bravery to this great country. Thank, thank you, you for your time that you've taken to come on this podcast. Heart of a Lion Foundation with John Daly. Yeah. And your book, Warrior for Freedom. All right. Well, thank you so yeah. much. And they can go to jdme1991.org and learn more. And uh, again, thank you and Kyle for love and support and good luck on the baby we appreciate man, it man i tell you what that's our number one right there's our number oh, one. Oh, you're ready baby yeah I, I told my wife I was like we're about to raise the next great leader in the united states of america well you are <laughs> and you'll have some racial diversity with him too <laughs> that is even better speaking of one day we should do a podcast called the melting pot we throw on a tinfoil hats yeah and we talk about january 6th you called it what day is it called? Insurrection Day. Insurrection Day. We call it whatever we want to call it. Well, you didn't have me talk about that yet. I got to yeah. give you a pers- That's on the next one. I got to give you perspective on, on all of that because I wouldn't call that an insurrection right. day. But that's what's the beauty about the next Melting Pot podcast. Yeah. We, we talk about that. We talk about 2020, the vaccines, uh, the virus. Oh, that's even from. better. Well, I'm in. When, let me know when you want to do that. Yeah. We'll tell Kyle and we'll hook that up. That actually would be a good podcast. You got to get me on record on different perspectives. And I want, sometimes you'd be interested in what I have to say about I'm things from a different perspective sure. on, yeah. on stuff. Because um, just to give a little bit of a tidbit, people have asked me about January 6th. Did I like what happened with the civil disturbance? No. Because you should always honor our buildings, and all the things that are involved, specifically Mm. elections. On the other hand, if it was a real insurrection, there would have been a lot of death and carnage that would have happened. Mm. And that's not what happened. So let's just put it in perspective that it was a civil disobedience day, which that's what should be called a negative civil disobedience day of sorts because I'm telling you, an insurrection in my, from a military perspective, sure. yep. is totally different than this little freaking wannabe thing that people did. And walking through the halls of Congress like you're going to a, 
a tour is not how a military operation would have been. Right. And so let's don't call it something like that because you're giving it, you're, you're glamorizing something that really didn't happen. And all these cases that are going on right now mm-hmm. through the, the criminal justice system, none of them have had insurrection to it. Right. They've all been these trespassing and this and that. And I'm only just giving you that perspective that if you're going to call it out, then they should be charged with that. Yeah. And if it would have been a bunch of military people conducting an operation of that nature during an insurrection activity, those people in Congress would have been in trouble. Mm. And that's all I'm going to say about it because it just, it sickens me the politics that are being used to call something out. And that's for another day, but to all out there, I don't want to end it with that. But again, put things into perspective that there wasn't a bunch of Navy SEALs and Rangers and military personnel going in there to take people out because that's what could have happened in a real insurrection sure. with the fact that you didn't have any security involved. And, and, and to those people that are Capitol Police, look, God bless you for your service and your sacrifice. But you know what? In the military, we don't let nobody go into our, our house of reckoning. Okay. Mm. I wouldn't have let that happen. Right. I wouldn't have. Right. I would have died for that house for you not to go in there. So don't give me this insurrection crap. Because there are people out there calling that crap out. And for you to let these people wander around in there like it's just a tourist attraction, you were a dereliction of your duty, too. Mm. And that should be called out to to our leaders in Washington, D.C., that, you know what? There were some security compromises that happened. Address those. Because they should have never entered that building. That is where I draw the line and where your little fake crap and your... Your glamorizing of what happened wasn't really what happened. Yeah. A real insurrection would have took the Capitol out and everybody in it, and they wouldn't have been able to talk about it to this day or have any of those freaking hearings or any of that other stuff. Because guess what? They would have been hurt by people that really wanted to do some hurtful things to them. Right. And that didn't happen. So let's just kind of put it in perspective. It was a negative day, bad civil disobedience, just like on, on the uh, 2020. And... There's no place in America for that. Right. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I just went on my soapbox about it. And I don't really care what anybody thinks because I know where I'm at and the perspective that I got in all my people that are military people and the FBI people and people in law enforcement, they would have told you the same thing. They wouldn't have let those people in there like that. And and I'm not saying nothing negative about the, Cap- the Capitol Police lost con- command and control. Why? Because you didn't have the National Guard there. If you thought that this was a sensitive issue and you knew that people were going to be civil disobedient, you should have had a, a, a freaking plan of attack to make sure that nobody was going to get into that Capitol because we were going to certify the process. That, to me, is where I draw the line where you were derelict in your duties as the individual in charge of an operational awareness activity mm-hmm. and i don't know how to even tell it to the american people but whatever happened there wasn't an insurrection to me yeah. so sorry but no i love it it's 2024 political year obviously uh yeah election cycle so if you look in the camera major ed polito do you approve this podcast yes i approve this podcast hoorah my name is wong lamb and i definitely approve this podcast I'm gonna stand I won't be seated I'm 
hold my head up high, stay undefeated. To find any moments on this part. Cause I'm American by the grace of my good God. I'm American by the grace of my good God.